We'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, we'll continue to course our study of the Gospel of Luke. We're right toward the end. We're in the last chapter. We're seeing Jesus. He's the perfect man, the one who's come to die and rise again to pay for the sins of the world. He is the sacrifice and the substitute for the sins of mankind. We are seeing the most powerful events in the world. We're seeing the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. We know that he died to pay for sins. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said it is finished. The work has been done. The penalty has been paid. He gave up his life and he died physically. We saw that. Last time two men came, Joseph of Arimathea and a guy named Nicodemus. They took the body. They laid him in a tomb. The women followed and they watched. They watched all this. Is it over? The answer is no. This morning, we're going to see the greatest event of all time, and that is that Jesus Christ rises from the grave. We see the resurrection of our Savior. He is alive. The women come to the tomb, and he's not there, and they see some angels, and the angels say, He is alive. He is risen. And go tell the others. What do they do, and what do they say, and what do the others think when they come and tell them? This morning, we're going to see the greatest truth of all, the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we begin, I want you to think about this. What was the message that Jesus gave to his disciples, to his apostles? It was very simple. He said this. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. I'll be beaten. I'll be crucified. And three days later, I will rise from the grave. He would die and rise again. We call this oftentimes the good news message. It is the death and resurrection of Christ. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, I delivered unto you a first importance which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried and rose again on the third day. That's the gospel. As we studied the gospel of Luke, the good news that Luke gives us, we see, we have seen him die on the cross, spiritually separated from the Father to pay for sin. We've seen him die physically as he gave up his life. Last time the burial, placed in a tomb by two men, it looked bad. Was it over? And the answer is no, it's not. This morning, the greatest event of all, the resurrection. Now, let me, let me raise this point. Why is it so important that Jesus rose from the grave? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about it. In fact, it's called the resurrection chapter. And he talks about these truths. And he says, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, we have absolutely nothing. See, anyone can claim that they're God. And anyone can say, I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to take the sin of mankind. And I'm going to pay that penalty. You realize that Jesus' resurrection is the key. In fact, from the resurrection of Christ, there are things that we can learn. First of all, from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it proved that he is God. Romans 1.4, he is declared to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So it proved that he is God. Second, it proved that our sins are paid for. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, it says if he didn't die for our sins, we're, if, he didn't die, if he didn't rise again, we're still in our sins. They hadn't been paid for. There's no payment. And then the last thing is it proved that death is conquered in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23. It talked about how he's risen from the grave and he's the first fruits of those who rise. And so the truth is this. If Jesus didn't come back from the grave, he's not God. Our sins are unpaid for. And we're going to all die and be separated from God forever if he didn't rise from the grave. What is so good is this morning we'll see the greatest event, the resurrection of our Savior. Now, last time, the burial... He died for our sins. He gave up his life. He, he died physically. We know that he is in control. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. I'll take it back up again. Joseph and Nicodemus came to get the body. They put the body in the tomb. The women watched. It was an amazing thing. We could see. They went to Pilate and said, we want the body. And Joseph, Arimathea, and Nicodemus took the body down. They wrapped it in these, like these cloths all the way around. They anointed the body. They put it up in a tomb. We'll talk more about the tomb in just a little bit. The women were watching. And here's why. You see all of this. They think, what's going on? These women saying, you know... We're going to wait two or three days, and then we're going to come back and anoint the body. 
See, they weren't saying, we're going to wait three days and see him rise from the grave. They weren't thinking that. You'd say, well, they should have been thinking that. Shouldn't they have been thinking that? Hadn't he been telling them that? Yes. But they didn't. And we're going to talk more about it in a minute. This morning is the first day of the week. It's Sunday. The women go out to the tomb very early. But there's a surprise there. Because they're going out to anoint the body. But when they get there, there's no body there. This morning, the message that Jesus is alive. Let me break down the passage for you. And you know, we're studying the Gospel of Luke. We're going to have to go to different places to put all this together. We're going to first start with Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look at verses 62 through 66. We'll go fairly quickly through this. We're going to see the religious leaders request. They come to Pilate. They want the tomb guarded. They want it sealed. And so the tomb is guarded and sealed. And we'll see that. Then we'll go to our passage, Luke 24, 1 through 12. We'll see that the women go out there. They're at the tomb. Jesus is not there. They meet some angels. Angels tell them that he's alive. The women go tell others. And we see Peter coming to the tomb. And that will take us to our third thing this morning. In John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10, we see the details where Peter goes to the tomb, but John goes with him. We'll see how that ties together. We get a message from Mary. Peter and John, and John go to the tomb, and they believe. But let me tell you something. They, they still don't understand. And we'll, we'll talk about what all this means when we get to that passage. So as we begin our study this morning, we want to see the response of the religious leaders. Now, I want you to think about what's happened. Jesus is dead. That's what they think. This is what they want. They have watched Jesus for the last three, three and a half years. He's been doing his ministry. The religious leaders have hated him. They hated him from the beginning because what he did is he told the truth. He, he said that he's the Messiah and he's the Savior. And he did these miracles and did all these things. Every time they challenged him, they looked foolish. And so they didn't like him. They want him dead. They would give anything if he was dead. And so they had a plan and a plot that they would put him to death. They said that not, not during the Passover because we don't want to uprise and there's too many people. But Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb and he has to die on Passover. And so no matter what they wanted, they, and it, it ended up being that they got Jesus. They arrested him. They tried him. They took him to Pilate. He was put on the cross. He was crucified. And he's buried. That's all they know. And if you talk to religious leaders, you'd say, yeah, he's dead. He's gone. Thank the Lord. Thank God he's gone. That's what they would say. But they also knew something. They knew that he said that he would come back from the grave. He said that he would rise after three days. Now, the disciples seem to have forgotten this, but not the religious leaders. So what do they want to do? They want to go to Pilate, and they want to make sure that nobody's going to touch that body. So I want you to turn, hold your place in Luke 24, and go over to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to go very quickly, turn to the places. We'll go fast through these passages today, but you really need to see this. Matthew 27, and we're going to start verse at about 62. Matthew 27, verse 62, and we'll see the religious leaders go to Pilate, and they want that tomb sealed so nobody can get the body. Because they know, they know that, that he said after three days he's coming back. Now let me tell you this. If you had gone to the women going out to the tomb, and if you said to them, you think he's coming back? They're saying, well, we're going to anoint the body. And that's why we're going out there. But if you ask the religious leaders, what did he say? They would say, well, he said he was going to come back. We've got to do something about it. So look at verse 62 of Matthew 27. Now, on the, day, on the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. Now, the preparation day was Passover. 
The day after Passover was the first day of Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was the 15th day of the month, and it was always a Sabbath day. So here they are on a Sabbath day, and they've gone to the chief priest, and they've gathered to meet. The chief priest and, and the Pharisees have gathered together with Pilate. Now, you couldn't, you know, if you're Jewish, you couldn't travel very far on a Sabbath day. And it just so happens, of course, the chief priest and where Pilate was, they were not very far apart. So they could make that trip on a Sabbath day. And so they go to Pilate, and here's what their issue is. Notice verse 63. And they said, Sir, we remember that when he was alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I am to rise Again, now they go to Pilate, and they, you know, they're showing him respect. Sir, we remember. Here's what's come to our minds. While he was still alive, the deceiver, that's who he is. They call Jesus a liar. After three days, I'm going to rise again. They understood that Jesus taught that he would die and rise again, that he was claiming to be God, that he was the Messiah, the Savior, and the King. They didn't miss it. They just didn't believe it. They rejected him. And they said, he said, after three days, he's coming back. Literally in the Greek it says, after three days, I am rising again. He's back. There was a time in Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 40, where he was talking to the religious leaders, and he said, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. He told them right then he was coming back. They understood that. They asked him for signs. They said, show us a sign that you're the Messiah. He had already done every sign. And he said, you want a sign? The sign is the resurrection. That's what he told them. That's the Jonah passage. That's the sign. I'm coming back from the dead. They knew it. So they're upset. And what they want to do is they say, listen, uh, what, what if somebody goes out there and they take the body out of there and then they start telling everybody that he rose from the grave? we got to stop that. Notice what they call Jesus. They call him the deceiver. They said, he is alive. That deceiver said after three days, I'm going to rise again. I want you to understand, Jesus is not the deceiver. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. I want you to understand something. Satan is the deceiver, and Jesus is the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. So they said, well, we've got to do something. He says he's coming back after three days. So here's what their request is. Verse 64. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciple may come and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. The first deception is that he's God. The last deception is he rose from the grave. They're so afraid that that's what's going to happen. So he says, give orders that it will be secure lest some of his disciples come and take the body. They were so afraid somebody was going to sneak in there and get the body and take it out. Now, I want you to understand something. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the key to Christianity. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have nothing. We would have nothing but a dead martyr rather than a living Savior. Remember I mentioned a while ago, if there's no resurrection, there is no payment for sin. If there's no resurrection, there is no victory over death. We have nothing. If there is no resurrection, we do not have salvation. They're afraid somebody's going to steal the body. So here's what they do. Look what Pilate says to them. Verse 65. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go. Make it as secure as you know how. He said, okay, I'll give you a guard. I'll give you some soldiers. The word for soldier there, the word for guard was custodian. It's the Greek word. We get the word custodian from it. It means somebody who keeps something, something who takes care of something. And so they said, you got your guard, you got your custodian. Go make it secure as you know how. Best we can tell is he gave them at least two soldiers to go guard the tomb. 
And here's what they did. They wanted to make it secure. Notice verse 66. They went and made the grave secure along with the guard. They set a seal on the stone. So they did two things. First of all, they had the guards. We're going to find there's two of them there. And then they sealed the tomb. Now let me let, let you understand something. That the tomb was inside. Best we can tell that the tomb was, was in the side of a hill. It was like a cave. In Jerusalem now, if you go... There's a place called Gordon's Calvary that some people believe was the tomb of Jesus. That's what they have a little place and people go, if you want to go see the tomb of Jesus, it's right here. It's called Gordon's Calvary. Nobody knows for sure, but one thing they do know is this is the way that tombs were. This is the way that graves were in that day and time. And it's in the side of a hill, and out front there's, there's like a place that you go in that you could go into the cave, but there's a groove out front in which they would take like a flat stone, sort of like a disc, and they would roll that stone in that groove and put it in front of the tomb. They would put the bodies up in there, and they would roll that there. That was primarily to keep the animals from getting in and eating the bodies. Now, these people, they want it sealed. These, these religious guys want the, the rock there, and they want guards there, and they want to seal it. And they would usually take a rope, put wax around it, put it around the, the, uh, the stone. So if anybody moved the stone, it would break, and they would say, oh, somebody's moved this stone. Now, up in that place, if you went in, you went in, it usually had to stoop down. You'd go down, and as you got in, there were little sections. And on those sections, there were long, like slabs. And that's where they put the bodies. And the bodies would just be laid out in there, and they would be covered up, of course, with strips and with the sweet-smelling stuff called myrrh and frankincense and those kind of things. And then what they would do is they'd anoint the bodies until they were bones. Then they would take the bones, and they'd put them in a box. And usually inside one of these tombs, there would be a box, which had all the, the, sto- you know, the, the bones of the people. And as they had a new person in there, they'd anoint them and then put them in the box. Now, in Jesus' tomb, there's not any bones in there or anything, because this tomb had never been used by anyone. So they're saying, seal it up so that they can't come and do anything. Now, they don't realize this, but they've guarded the tomb. And by doing that, they have made the resurrection of Christ even more clear. J.C. Ryle was a a pastor in the 18th, 19th, turn of the century, basically, 18, 1900s. And he said this. He said, God ordered the events that not only the death, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ would be beyond doubt. See, the body's secure. There's no way. Nobody can come get him out of there without touching it. Stan Toussaint, who was one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, said, no one could steal the body. The only possible way for Jesus to leave the tomb was by means of the resurrection. Do you think they can keep Jesus in the grave? He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the first to rise from the dead. He is the first forgotten of the dead. He is the almighty God. Nothing can stop the plan of God. He is to die and rise again. So what happened? Go back to Luke 24. We see that they've set the guard, okay? And they've got the tomb all fixed. Is what they think. As we turn to Luke 24, I want you to understand it's very early in the morning on what we'd say it's a Sunday morning. The day before that was the Saturday of the week, which was the Sabbath. The women would not go out there and anoint the body on a Sabbath day simply because you weren't supposed to go that far and you weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day. So they're going to wait to the first day of the week. They're going out to the tomb. The plan is to go in there and anoint the body. Now, as they're walking out there, they've got some questions. Like, number one, who's going to move that big rock for us? Because it's really big, and we're women, and we're not going to be able to move that big rock. So how are we going to get in there and anoint the body? Number two, they are not thinking when they get out there, he's going to be gone. They're not saying, you know... Third day, he should have risen by now. They're not even thinking that. 
they saw him die. We're going to see next week that two of the believers, two of the ones who had been following Jesus, talked to Jesus. They don't even know it was Jesus. And they said, we thought Jesus was the one. That's what they're thinking. They thought he was the one. And so they're not jumping up and down with joy, saying, we're going out to the tomb real early and it's going to be empty. They're saying, we're going out to the tomb real early and anoint the body. So look at chapter 24, look at verse 1. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, it's the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and they, it's early dawn. Now, by the way, that Greek means the deep dawn. It's right before the sun comes up. It's still really dark, and it's, they're, they're coming very early. Now, notice, they're coming bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, why are they bringing the spices? They're coming to anoint the body. They're not expecting, you know, if they thought he was going to be gone, they would say, let's just go out and see where he used to be. That's not what they're thinking. They're going with the spices. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they got there, that big old stone had been rolled back and it was open to go in there. On the way up there, we remember they had been talking about how we're, how we're going to get in there, how we're going to get in there. But the stone, stone is rolled away. Notice, it says this. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And you can see them getting there, and they go, oh my gracious, somebody's opened the thing up. It's open. And you can see the women. By the way, there are about six women. That if you take all the Gospels together, there's six of them there. We're going to find something else. When they get there, and they look in, and they see there's no body in there, one of them, I'll tell you who it is in a minute, one of them leaves and goes back to find Peter. We'll talk about who it is in a minute. But they get there and they realize that they entered and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine those women who have loved him and, and, and followed him from Galilee all the way around and ministered to him and they watched him at the cross, they watched him bury him, they're coming out now to anoint the body and somebody's opened this thing up and somebody's took his body. And can you imagine what they're thinking? What happened? What, who, who could have done this? What could have happened? While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. Now, they were perplexed. They were confused. Two men came. Now, as you read the passage, you read some of the other Gospels, these are angels. Two angels appear. And it says they were in dazzling clothing. The word really means bright. It means like lightning. They, they understand that something happening here. These are not just two guys in some really nice white outfits, okay? This is something that's beyond normal. In fact, it's almost blinding because the word means like lightning. And they see these two guys. One of the Gospels tells us that one was where the feet of Jesus would have been and one is where the head of Jesus would have been on the slab. And there they are. And these two men, these women were terrified. Look what happened. It says they were perplexed about this. Two men suddenly stood near them. All of a sudden they just appeared. And it goes on to say, and the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? Now, they were afraid. And, and it happens every time whenever human beings come in contact with angels all throughout the scripture. All you have to do is just read it. Every time people come in contact with angels, people are afraid because these angels are powerful beings. And so they were afraid. They were terrified. They bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, now look at the question, why do you seek the living one among the dead? They were so afraid. And, and here's the why do you seek the living one among the dead? 
Why would you seek somebody who is alive? See, he says, why are you, they say, why are you seeking the living one? What they're actually saying is Jesus is alive. Why are you seeking the ones who's alive? This is where dead people are. These are the kind of places dead people are put. Why did you come out here looking for Jesus? Jesus isn't where dead people are. He's the living one. And so they said, why would you seek the living one among the dead? He is, they are declaring that Jesus is alive. Why would you look for somebody who's alive where people are dead? And then they gave the great message. And you know what it is? He's risen. He's alive. Notice the verse. He's not here, verse 6. He's not here, for he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? He's alive. We have a risen Savior. He is not dead. This is the greatest message of all time. What if our Bibles ended at, verse tw- at chapter 27 of Matthew or chapter 23 of Luke? What if there was no resurrection passages? What if we all said, you know, Jesus was a really, really good man. And what we want to do is try to live on this earth to be really good people like Jesus was. Because he was really nice. And he really loved all people. And what we're supposed to do is look at the example of Jesus and be good people too. Now, he was so good that they killed him. And, you know, uh, he, he was such a great man. We know where his grave is. We know where his tomb is. He was just a really great man. We got nothing we're not going to meet over that. Let's just, just face it. We don't have a really good man who died. We have the Son of God who paid for our sins, who died and rose again. And we trust in Jesus, not so we can live a good life. We trust in Jesus so that we can have eternal life as a gift and live forever with God. Because we can't be good. We're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. The angels say, why are you looking for him here? Why would you look for the living one where the dead people are? He's not here. He is risen. He's alive. And then they said, remember how he told you? Remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee? Remember how he told you this? If you read the Gospel of Matthew... Five times from the time that Jesus lives, leaves Galilee, coming to Jerusalem, five times he tells his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be buried, and I'm rising again after three days. Five times he told them. And if you ask them, what did he tell you? They go, I don't know, what did he say? I don't know. I missed it. They never got it. They don't have it now. They still don't have it. Remember what he told you? And here's what he told them, verse 7. He gives the, de- the angels give the details of what his message was, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. That's the message, the death and resurrection of the Messiah. That's the good news message, that he died and rose again. The good news message is not Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That's half the message. If that's all the message you got, you got nothing. The message is he died and rose again. Because if you don't have the resurrection, you have nothing. So don't be telling people, Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. Tell them he died on the cross to pay for your sins and rose again. That's why he's risen. And that's what he told him he was going to do. Look at verse 8. They remembered his words. You can see him going, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 that's what he said. Yeah, why did you get it? I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't thinking that. That's what he said. And so what did they do? They returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven 
to the rest. They came back and began to tell the eleven, that's the, the eleven disciples that were left after Judas killed himself. And they went back and they began to tell the rest of the people who were believers that angels had come to them and told them that Jesus was still alive. Now Luke gives us a little bit more information. He names the women. Or some of the women. He said they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. We're going to talk about Mary Magdalene in just a minute. But these were women. Mary Magdalene was really special. She had had demons cast out of her. And she followed Jesus and loved him that whole time. As we studied the scriptures, there were about six women. Only three are listed here. How did the disciples respond when they said... Angel said he's alive. What did they do? You would think they would say, of course, we, we thought that. We talk, remember, that's what he said. That's not what they do. Look what they say. But these words appeared to, be, to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. The word nonsense means silly talk. It literally means, this is a medical term here because, you know, Luke wrote this, was a doctor. He uses medical terms a lot. This is a medical term for being delirious. It's like a person who's so sick they don't know what they're saying. And they're going, I say, I don't know. They're saying, you're just like you're sick. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't even know what you're saying. That's what they were saying to those women. But, but Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping in and looking, or stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home marveling. The word marveling means wondering. Wondering at what had happened. Now Peter went. But do you want to see the details of what really happened there? Because Luke doesn't give us the details, but John does. I want you to hold your place in Luke 24 and go to John chapter 20. I want you to see this. You remember I told you a while ago that when the women went out to the tomb and they looked in there and the body was gone, one of them ran away, one of them left to go back to tell Peter. That one was Mary Magdalene. And I want you to look at John chapter 20, look at verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone had already been rolled away or taken away from the tomb. Now, Mary did not come by herself. John only is telling us that he's going to tell us what Mary did. And she came to the tomb and saw the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And best we can tell, she looked in there with the other women and then she went... I'm going to go tell Peter. And she ran off. She was not there when the angels appeared and said, He has risen. She wasn't there. Watch. She goes back to tell Peter. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. The other disciple is John, who wrote this book, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. She doesn't know. She came back and said, Peter, they got the body of Jesus. We don't know what they did with it. She doesn't know because she left. The other women saw the angels. So she comes to tell Peter, somebody took the body of Jesus. She's pretty upset on it. So what's going to happen? Well, so Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. Now watch this. The two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. Okay, now John and Peter are running. John is much younger than Peter. John lived 30 years longer than Peter did. Best we can tell, John was the youngest of the disciples. Peter may have been one of the oldest of the disciples. So they started running, and guess what happens? 
Peter is just running. I mean, John is running fast as he can. Peter's going, wait up, wait up. I can't catch him. These young people run too fast. And that's what happened. And so you can see Peter's going to get, John's going to get there first. Watch. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Now Peter's younger and he got there way ahead. Excuse me, John's younger. He got there way ahead. He got to the edge and he looked up in there and he saw the wrappings. He didn't see the body. The body's gone. He saw the wrappings, but he didn't go in. He's young. He probably said... I better wait for Peter before I go in. I'm not going in. I'm not going in there. I better wait for Peter. Peter finally gets there. You, know, you run too fast, man. Okay, but what happened? And so Simon Peter also came, verse 6, following him, and he entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been laid on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. When he got there, he just said, I'm going in. And he went straight in, and he stooped down, and he saw the slab where Jesus' body had been. And there were the wrappings there. And he thought to himself, wait a minute, if somebody took the body, they... They wouldn't unwrap the body. And, and if they unwrapped the body, they wouldn't look like they're like. And then he saw this thing called the napkin, which was around the face. What they would do is they'd take a piece and they would tie it like this so that the jaw wouldn't fall down as it was decaying so it all stayed together. And that is by itself in another place. And so Peter said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this doesn't add, it doesn't add up. If you took the body, you, you wouldn't unwrap him. And if you unwrapped him, you wouldn't leave it there and you wouldn't do that there. And then look at the next verse. Verse 8. So the other disciple who had come first to the tomb, that's John, when he also entered and he saw and believed. Now, what did he believe? We don't know. Did it mean he believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead? Did he believe that the body was gone? Did he believe that somebody must have unwrapped it somehow? We don't know. That just doesn't add up. What did he believe? We don't know because the next verse says, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They still haven't put it together that he's supposed to rise from the dead. They hadn't got it. They hadn't put it together. The tomb is empty. The linen clothes are are there. The guards are gone. They just hadn't put it together. Now, Peter will pretty soon, after they see Jesus and after Jesus rises, uh, walks on the earth and sends into heaven, Peter's going to stand out in front of a whole bunch of people on the day of Pentecost and declare that Jesus died and rose again. But look what it says. So the disciples went away again to their homes. What would this mean to the disciples? The body's gone. The linen's still there. The guards are gone. Had he been stolen? Had he been raised? What should they think? They don't know what to think. I want you to turn back to Luke 24 and look again at verse 12 where we see how Luke describes it. Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only. That's all he saw. He went away to his home marveling. Remember the word marvel means to wonder. He's wondering what had happened. Then Jesus is alive. As we read these passages, the angel says, Jesus is alive. And if we're following the story, nobody's seen him yet. Who do you think is going to be the first to see him? Do you think it's going to be Peter? Do you think it's going to be John? 
But next week we're going to see it's Mary Magdalene. The one that saw the tomb empty, ran and got Peter and John and said they got the body. We don't know what happened. And then she goes back. She doesn't talk to the women who heard the angels. When she gets back, she don't know. She doesn't know what happened to the body. The ladies have heard the angels say he's alive. They've gone to tell everybody else. She comes back and she goes, where could he be? And she's crying and she sees an angel. And then she sees Jesus. She's the first person to see him risen from the grave. It's pretty powerful. We'll see it next time. The religious leaders want the tomb sealed and guarded, so the women go out real early, and and and, and, they're, they're, and they find that there's no body, that Jesus must be alive. The angels tell them he's alive, and uh, just as he said, and so they go tell the apostles, and Peter and John run to find an empty tomb. So let me give you some applications, just the things to think about. Number one, understand the importance of the resurrection. I mean, realize Jesus died and rose again. He is the living Savior. He's alive now. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose from the grave to conquer death. So why is it so important? It proved that He is God. Number two, it proved that our sins are paid for. Listen, if our sins aren't paid for, we're separated from God forever. And number three, it proved that death is conquered. And we're talking about physical death there. Everyone, every human being is going to be raised from the dead physically. Everyone. Jesus has conquered death for everyone. Some will spend eternity with Jesus Christ. It's called eternal life. Some will spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ. It's called the second death. We call it the lake of fire. Jesus Christ has conquered death. That's why it's so important. Number two. Trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Listen, He is the Savior. He is the one who died and rose again. He's the Son of God. Listen, here's what He did. He died and rose again for us. Two, He paid for our sin. C, He conquered death. I hope and pray, and I've talked about this for several weeks now. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've trusted in Him and Him alone. He's the only way to salvation. It's not your works or goodness. It's faith alone in Christ alone. Simply, right where you're sitting right now, if you have never trusted Christ, you can believe, you can understand. He died for you on the cross. He paid for sin and rose again. And He offers to you the gift of eternal life. And any one of you in this room can say, I believe Jesus is my Savior. I am trusting in Him and Him alone for eternal life. It is that Simple. It is not your commitment to Christ. It is not your profession of something. It is not you walking down this. It is not you getting baptized. It is not you seeking to live a good life. It has nothing to do with your salvation. It is a gift given to you simply by faith. I hope and pray that every one of you, as you leave today, if you've never trusted in Christ, trust Him right where you're sitting. The third thing that we do is we proclaim the truth to others that Jesus is the Savior. We go into this community. We got the good news message. Jesus died and rose again, and all who believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. May we tell others. May we understand the importance of the resurrection of Christ. And as those of us who have trusted in Jesus, may we be faithful to proclaim the good news to those who do not know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. Lord, thank you for the importance of the resurrection, how that Jesus died and rose again, paying for our sin, conquering death, and proving that he indeed is God. Lord, I hope and pray that every person in this room whether they're a college student, whether they're older, whether they're younger, that they have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. He died and rose again. He paid for sin. He conquered death. And whoever will believe in Him will have eternal life. Lord, may we go from this place and proclaim to our community 
the campus and the area and the town, all this around us, may we proclaim the good news message of Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.